for us, I think it's all about just really demonstrating that you understand both sides of the equation, right? We understand your business and here's how our business can help you, right? And I think that's kind of the key to unlock that engagement in the right way. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday afternoon or morning, depending on where you are. If you joined us yesterday, welcome back. And if this is your first time joining us in this four-part webinar series, then welcome. We're super excited to have you. And before we dive into today's topic, which is going to be how the best strategies for engaging the buying committees in your target accounts. But today, we're super excited to have uh, Samantha and Justin with us today to talk about their favorite strategies for account engagement. Um, I'm sure that everybody's perspective on this is different, so we're excited to kind of dive into that topic. So with that, I'm going to hop off and let Sangram take over from here. Hope you guys are ready. So enjoy. Awesome. Bailey, thank you so much. So this is about engagement, and I thought nobody better than Samantha Stone and Justin to really talk about this. One, Justin, from a practitioner perspective, because he is running marketing at a really fast-growing company. I love partnership with them, and they're doing some really, really cool stuff. As a matter of fact, the whole story around how they do engagement is in ABM is B2B book. So it's one of those featured stories. And Samantha is an, is an author, amazing person, and advisor to a lot of different companies to do ABM. She also runs workshops. I'll let them introduce themselves, but they work both as a practitioner, as an advisor. I think you guys are seeing this, doing this feeling this, the pain points. So we're going to go dive into this really important part. How do you engage better? So let's start with just introductions, uh, starting with Samantha yourself and then Justin. And please share a fun fact about yourself as you do that. Excellent. Well, you've done a great job introducing me, so I don't know that I need to add too much more to that, except uh, to comment that I have done a lot of work with ABM with a lot of companies in the last couple of years in particular. And I might argue I've been doing ABM probably my whole career, and uh, we just didn't call it that, right? We called it lots of other things. But um, certainly being able to focus and understand um, how to target your market and who should we be targeting and how do we engage them. Um, there's a couple of fun facts I was debating, but I'm going to share this one in particular. I'll save the other one for another time. Um, I wrote a book called Unleashed Possible, which is all about B2B marketing and revenue growth. And literally up until the week before we did the cover design, it was called something different. It was going to be called Catching Turtles because of a story that I tell. And my, all of my folders, I still kept them. They all have like the folders, Catching Turtles. But no one would ever know what that meant or would have any idea. And so I was, I realized uh, soon after that I really needed to rethink this. And thankfully I did make the switch before, before we went live. You know, I, I think that for my kids, I think we have a book. I would, I think I'll venture out and say that they have a book that says catching turtle or turtle something. And it just reminded me of that book. So that's really interesting. I mean, I love the English possible and the whole branding you do around that. It's a great book. People should definitely go take a copy of it. Yeah, thank you. All right, Justin. Awesome. Hi, everybody. Sangram, thank you so much for letting me hang out with you today. It's always great to, to see you, and Samantha, great to meet you. I run marketing at a company called Sigster. 
We've been on this ABM journey for about two years now, and uh, Terminus has been a huge part of it. Sangram um, helped us kick it off. Steph Kelly on your team has been integral in helping us along the way to the point where we kind of figured it out and we're kind of doing some really, really fun things ourselves. I'm really, really proud of the, uh, the program we've built. And at this point, it's become like the major drive of our entire marketing program. So, I mean, we've, we've grown a lot in just two years and our sophistication, our success, but we've had plenty of stumbles along the way. Oh, and fun fact, fun fact. Yeah, you guys have. And I think, this, yeah, yes. <laughs> I think this is, um, so this, I think, describes a lot about me. So when I was a little guy, the first two CDs I ever bought with my own money were Paula Abdul, Forever Your Girl, and Slayer, Rain and Blood, right? So like the complete opposite ends of the spectrum. He's dying over here. This is awesome. <laughs> and um, I think that's kind of like, like, I think that was formative. Like that was a big moment in my life. And so I think I'm equal parts Paula Abdul and Slayer. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. And you do your own music, right? Like, you know, yeah. give it a yeah, yeah what, what? I, got, I actually got a new album coming out in a couple months, but uh, yeah, I've got a little little music project called Bear Like Mouth. It's just weird electronic music, but uh, if you want to listen, if you're bored and you're at work, it's good, it's good bored at work music. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. So we should we should put that in the in the email if you know people send it out like go drop a this, link. Yeah, drop a link to his <laughs> Spotify thing. Follow your <laughs> Yes, yes. Why not? All right, so. Uh, Let's talk about engagement. We This is a serious thing in, in many ways of all jokes and fun around is like engagement has been a fluffy thing for for the most part for a lot of people to say, all right, whatever engagement means, it almost felt like it was in the branding days of like just, all right, it's like, you know, just madmen, just have a huge engagement, whatever, and marketer did their own thing and that's it. But actually engagement is now way more practical, tangible, measurable in, in men in any of in many of the sense that you guys are looking at it. So let's first start maybe with Samantha, you, and then Justin, just jump in. This is just conversation for us. How do you define engagement? Start there. It's a really actually surprisingly difficult question to answer. Um, and I'm going to answer it in two different ways. I'm going to tell you what I think engagement is, and then I'm going to tell you how we actually measure it because it's not exactly the same thing. And the reason that I think it's important to look at both is if we only focus on what we can measure, we miss out on huge opportunities to build relationships. And so I do like to take that step back and look not just at the things that we can look at systematically, but all the, some of the softer things, because I think with that frame of reference, we do a better job of ultimately what we're trying to do. Engagement for me is a meaningful interaction that we have with someone in our buying community. And that meaningful interaction, it could be a phone call, it could be a access to content, it could be a meeting that we have, it could be they have, you know, responded to or commented or shared a piece of content. It's any sort of meaningful interaction that we have. Now, you'll notice I didn't say meaningful interaction that I had about our product or our service, right? It needs to be relevant to their business. But I have really grown and changed my perspective on this. You know, early in my career, I was really myopically focused on it had to be related to what I do. And if it didn't isn't related to what I do, it therefore is not relevant to my marketing engagement metrics. And I've really found that those lines are um, dramatically blurred and that, you know, by taking that approach, we're actually missing a lot of opportunity. Now, a lot of that part's going to come from the sales relationships more than from the marketing relationships. But we have to think in those terms. Um, and then in terms of measurement, we can't always measure all of those things, A, because we probably go crazy trying to document every single thing and everything thing that we do, but we 
could do a better job of measuring more of those things. And the reason that I want to measure them is not because I care if it takes six touches or 17 touches. It really doesn't matter. I want to measure it so I could trigger other actions based on an interaction I had. So if I've had a, a salesperson has a meeting with someone, I want to know that not because I'm trying to administratively track how many meetings somebody's holding. A sales manager could manage that. I want to do it so that I can take an action that's appropriate based on the meeting or something I learned in that meeting that that person had. So to me, it's sort of thinking about both of those things. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and one of the things before we get, you know, Justin's thought on it is this idea of meaningful engagement even further down. I think we're going to go in the rest of the episode. It, you know, we, we're going to talk about what does meaningful mean? Because even that can go deeper in terms of how many, it depends on the size of the business. It depends upon the number of product lines, a number of in, types of engagement that your organization is in. Maybe it is online more or maybe it is not online, brick and mortar. It, it, it actually could change. So what meaningful means in and of itself can further be divided. So we're going to dig into that. But Justin, go ahead. Yeah, I think engagement is a really squishy term. I think there's a spectrum of what it can mean from are, is someone aware of your brand? Like, is, are you doing the, the bare minimum, making sure that they're aware of who you are and what you do all the way to, are they going to take a meeting or have they taken a meeting with you? Like, have you actually gotten them on the hook? I totally agree with pretty much everything Samantha said, um, that it, it does need to be something meaningful and you do need to take an action on it. For, so for us, engagement means there's an appointment, there's a meeting on the books, right? So we look at kind of metrics leading up to it, you know, ad, ad impressions, time on site, stuff like that, that helps us inform how we go about those next few steps, like, you know, whether it's sales outreach or if we need to send something in the mail or whatever. But for us, we really start tracking it as soon as we've cracked open the account is kind of the term we use, right? Once we, once they're picking up the phone or writing back an email to us, then, then, then we, we count that as, as an engagement. And for us, though, I mean, I think it means we'll, we'll get into this about like what I think, you know, like how you drive that engagement. But for us, I think it's all about just really demonstrating that you understand both sides of the equation. Right. We understand your business and here's how our business can help. Right. And I think that's kind of the key to unlock that engagement in the right way. Yeah. Awesome. So, Justin, why don't you kind of share your journey as an organization that you have been on for two years where did you start? People listening right now, some of them are new, some of them are like just getting, so give them a context of where you were two years ago, because some might just be in that journey right now. And, and then yeah. also take it to the maturity curve of, if you will, around where you went from the status quo to 1.0 to 2.0, as we like to say in the book. Yeah, you got it. So 1.0 for us, like where we started, and this is, you know, I think this is like the ABM program that everyone on this call has run, right? Where there was one company we really wanted to win the business of. It was just one. It was, you know, we lost him to a competitor and we, we were shocked by it. And we're like, you know what? We just like, it, it, it's, we're going to spend an outsized amount of time on this one account. So what we did was we bought the URL, sixfearlovesalesforce.com. The account was Salesforce. We bought sixfearlovesalesforce.com. We designed the page to be, you know, sixfearlovesalesforce. We manually coded the entire thing and mapped our value proposition to exactly what we knew that the, the use case point for Salesforce were. At the bottom of the page, we put um, a picture of the account owner and a link to contact her. And then we went and we bought 10 uh, Starbucks cards and had, you know, had them branded with the Sixer logo. And it said, grab a copy, visit www.sixerlovesalesforce.com. And we sent those to the, the stakeholders in the account. And we, you know, we got a lot of people here that work in Salesforce. They're right across I'm looking at their building right now. So we knew who the people were, 
that we needed to talk to. So we sent those uh, Starbucks cards directly to those people, handwritten notes saying, hey, uh, we really want to talk about this, make sure we're in the conversation next sales cycle. And it worked, right? And I think we kind of stubbed our toe on what I think the key to engagement is, which is that personalization, right? I think personalization drives engagement, full stop, right? So while we didn't get that account in that cycle, we figured it out like, oh, this is worse. Like we got those people engaged. We had multiple calls with multiple people in multiple offices around the country about this. And um, had we not done that, we wouldn't have been able to make any of that happen. So we really figured out, okay, we got to map the stuff to the personas and we have to personalize everything we can. So we went from one company and we said, okay, let's, let's go to the next, you know, uh, you know, big number, let's do a hundred. And so what we did is we tried to run the exact same playbook, but we tried to, you know, we, we couldn't do everything as personalized as we wanted to. We got, we had, you know, four people in a marketing team. So what we did was we used our own products. The Sixer puts uh, display ads in every email. And depending on who you're sending them to, the, the ad is dynamic. And so it's personalized. So we designed 100 Sixer campaigns that were personalized to the account that led to 100 landing pages that were personalized. And we manually did those too. But we cloned them this time. So it was a little bit quicker. But the, the fun fact here is uh, four people in HubSpot building uh, landing pages. It takes exactly, and this was uncanny, right when the credits started to roll of the movie Zootopia, is how long it took us to build 100 personalized landing pages. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if people are a fan of Zootopia or a movie that they all want to watch, that is a great way to get people on the team together and actually do some work. That's fantastic. Exactly, exactly. And so what we did is we, we you know, had those personalized things. We sent a note saying, hey, look at the power of exactly what we're selling. So it worked well because it was, you know, matched our exact value proposition. But um, we, we did the exact same thing, mapped it to the account owner, click here to chat with us. And then it was like, okay, we did 100. Now let's do 1,000. How, how do we scale this up 10x again? And so what we did is we started to, to get a lot more dynamic. We started to tier things out. We had about 150 tier one accounts that would all get pers ultra personalized everything. And then we would start to piece things out into industries, right? We, so we'd start to get, it was less personalized, but still a little bit more custom to the account. And what we did is rather than send them to a personalized landing page, we built a, a drift landing page that had um, Clearbit on it. So it knew the IP address of the person that was coming to them. So it still said, hey, Terminus, thanks for coming to visit us. What can we talk about today? And it would connect them right to the account owner. So we're still keeping the spirit of connecting the right people to the company. But, you know, the, the engagement definitely dropped at that point, right? Because we were going too big. And I think that's the biggest thing we learned. I think there is a, a tipping point for every company um, of every size, depending on what your, your program looks like, where if you go too big, it stops working. You need yeah. to really be able to demonstrate to your audience that you understand them. Like, if you can't demonstrate that you care about their business, why should they care about yours at all? And I think that's where we have kind of turned the corner and we pulled back and we're doing we're, we're still doing over a thousand accounts at any given time, but we really, really focus a lot on getting super personalized. So one of the biggest changes that just happened is we have moved our entire sales dev team out of the sales organization and into marketing. And our entire sales dev team is now functionally part of our ABM program, right? Our sales, our head of sales devs, new title is director of ABM. And so we are really aligning those humans to those accounts, we're making sure that they are getting super personalized. And what we're doing is each uh, SDR, we're, we're measuring, you know, how many demos they're booking in the usual stats, but we're spiffing them specifically on their, their tier one accounts by conversion rate. Whoever has the highest conversion rate of accounts to opportunities, we're sending them to Mexico for, you know, a long weekend at a resort. 
And uh, the intention there can is I play? So that, yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> that whoever is the best at getting personalized on these one-to-one accounts is the winner, right? Uh, and I think that's at the heart of, of ABM, right? Just getting really focused on the account, making sure you understand them and how you can help them specifically, and then building those relationships and all the, all the good stuff after that. All right, I'm, I'm grabbing my power because I know I'm going to lose. Happened before. So, so Samantha, how do you see, given all the different folks that you connect to and all the things that happen with it, like how do you see the different customers that you're working with today? I, I love those examples, Justin. Those are really excellent. And I think you hit the, the sticking point that I'm, I'm on a mission to eliminate templates and never give sales another template communication again. And exactly for the reason you just described is that with all good intentions, templates always feel like templates and they stay templates. And we all get them and we all start to dismiss them. And the magic comes when you find just the right amount of true personalization that is specific to the organization or the person at the organization. And we can only do that when we collaborate with our partners in sales to do that. There's no way to magically scale that, right? That that just doesn't happen. And so I see companies do all kinds of things. I've seen companies very successfully send a print magazine filled with information about the industry. But what they did was super clever was on the cover, they put the chief operating officer's picture on the cover mm. of each one. The magazine itself was pretty much the same. But if yeah. your boss's boss is on that, you know, thing, you're at least going to take a moment to, to yeah. see what's going on, right? And I've seen people do like we did a, a campaign where we took quotes that were said in public places, annual reports, social media, and we, you know, took the quote that that person said or their peer said, and we sent postcards, not very expensive, but just said, you know, hey, we're listening, we can help go here to find out and sent them to a landing page where we explained how we could help with that stated goal or that stated mission and accomplishment. Um, I practice ABM in my own business all the time. I'll give you a, a good example. There's a software company that is a perfect potential client for us. They, they need exactly what we do. And over time, we've been building a relationship with them. We had an initial introduction and conversation. I got to know them, sent them a copy of the book, wrote a report that I knew was relevant to them and sent that. And most recently, I just gave them a free pass to the conference that's coming up with but my funnel and, and such because they need ABM. So what better? And they accepted that invitation. They're flying from out of state to come to mm. this conference because it's valuable for them. I was able to give them something of value. And um, we're, I'm sure, going to get together in person while they're there and, and have that dialogue. And it's understanding what's the reason I use that example is I needed to understand what they needed and wanted. I didn't send them a pass to some random conference. I sent right. them a path to a conference that I knew was relevant for the specific challenge that they are facing and that they would find value in. I pointed out specific sessions for them and it was a great opportunity. And there's just, I, I can keep going. and I won't, I won't bore you with less, but there's lots and lots of examples. This is actually not hard. This is just caring about the people that we are trying to communicate with and what they're trying to do and be respectful of not just their company, but their role in that company. And yeah. uh, to me, that truly is sort of the magic formula. You, you can't automate it. You can't just magically pull it out. It's just taking a little bit of time to build an account plan, to think about those people, and then respond to that. So it, there's some manual work here. And, there, and in my opinion, there always will be some manual work. 
but it's worth it. Like the manual yeah. work pays off. Totally. totally. And you're right. Uh, like care, care is the name of the game, right? I think inbound was all about, look at me, look at me, look at me. And now it's all about like, no, this is, it's about, you now. Yeah. Totally. yeah. You know, I'm a big believer in, um, I think inbound has done good things, but the problem with inbound was it, it focuses on volume of people coming to us and it didn't necessarily find the right people coming to us. It wasn't enough bi-directional. It often wasn't attracting the right kinds of folks. So I think there's amazing inbound techniques that we apply to ABM. The difference is in the ABM world, it's really focused on what's going to get your attention. And, and again, look, you gave some great examples, Justin. Personalization doesn't mean you know, you're doing one-off things that can only apply to someone. Personalization means I'm doing things that are relevant to a specific set of people and I'm making clear in that communication that it feels relevant. I just did a whole series of uh, assessments for a, a customer. They had 20 accounts they were going after. There was some public information we could look at and assess. We sent a personalized report. Not Literally 90% of the report was identical for everyone, but the 10% that wasn't, that was the magical thing that led to discussions and meetings. That is fantastic. All right, I know we have questions coming in. So people, if you have questions, uh, please keep it because we're gonna go through that in a second. I wanted to double down before we get to some of the questions which are actually fun and more on personalization. So we're gonna, we're gonna dive into that. Before that, could each of you just somehow just talk about more specific on meaningful engagement? So. So maybe for six or Justin, like define meaningful. Is it website visits? Is it inquiries? Is it like, you know, sales getting a, an engagement? Like what is meaningful? And, and think about it both from SMB, mid-size, like, as much as you can, but maybe start with you. What does it mean for you? And then Samantha, as you see across multiple different organizations of all sizes. Yeah, I think, um, I don't think there's a wrong answer for how people define engagement for us. When we think about our ABM program, it really, you know, once once we kind of get an opportunity cracked open, that's kind of like the first 10 yards of the whole thing, right? It's the entire customer journey that we're focusing on. And so we have chunked it up into stages. And so for us, engagement is when do we put you into the next stage? The first stage is from, you know, known leader, whatever, to contact attached to an opportunity. And so we trigger uh, six-year campaigns, we trigger terminus campaigns, we trigger, you know, Sendoso mailing things based on those stages. So for us, it's really, I mean, it's, it's pretty black and white. They're an opportunity, yes or no, and that's kind of where we start the engagement. We do track whether or not we're getting people on the phone or people are replying to our, our emails, but we don't really look at that as a team on a weekly basis. Yeah. I think that's a, um, I look at engagement a little bit differently. I, I don't disagree with you. I think from a sales perspective that the definition you're doing, I would agree with. I do look at it a little bit earlier on too, though, but I think of it as engagement implies bi-directionality to me. So meaningful means they're going to remember it. Are they going to remember they opened an email? No. Are they going to remember they registered for an event that was promoted in the email? Yes. Are they going to remember that a tweet was in their stream? No. Are they going to remember that they shared a tweet? Yes. So for me, that line is sort of, what do I realistically think someone is going to actually remember and took an active part in participating? Are they gonna remember that they walked by the booth and we scanned them from afar, like we jumped out at them and did the, let me scan you and enter your gift card, right? I'm guilty, I've totally done that. I'll do anything to start a conversation if I have to. But if that's where it ended, that's not a meaningful engagement. If we actually had a conversation, sure. Now I've actually had a meaningful engagement. 
it's not that it's bad to interact without engagement. It's just a different thing. And it's a forecasting yeah. tool and a leading indicator as opposed to the end goal itself. Sure. We'll love that. All right, I'm gonna have Bailey kind of jump into some of the questions we're getting in so that we can just get to what people are asking. So Bailey, go for it. Yeah, we've got a couple, and then I've also got a bunch of questions that I wanna ask. The first question that we're gonna ask is, what tools are you guys using, if any, to identify pain points within your target account list? And if you're not researching pain points specifically, what sort of like third-party data tools are you guys using to get more insights into your target accounts? And that's from, what's Eric, fine. I'll take a crack at it. So for us, like like I said, you know, we're, we, we measure conversion rates from our outbound team. And the reason we're doing that is to force them to get super personalized with every single account. So what they do is they go out and they'll research like Sixter is really, you know, just kind of give you an example. Like I, I, I jokingly talk about it. Like it's like email marketing and targeted advertising had a baby. It's Sixter. And so we look for reasons like things that, you know, a company's going to want to promote. Are they running a bunch of webinars? Do they attend a lot of events? Do they have tons and tons of different offices around the country or the world? So there's kind of like a lack of you know consistency in messaging and they will put together uh, a list of exactly the use cases that they would use Sixer for and and that's kind of like the first step before they ever reach out is understand how they would use this so i don't think there's a way to do it necessarily at scale but i think that's kind of what we're talking about here is that if, if everyone could do this at scale everyone would be doing it at scale right this takes work and you have to get really creative and you have to do the research on your own in order for you to be able to demonstrate that you care about their business in order for you to make them, to, to Samantha's point, get that bi-directional conversation happening. So that's a really interesting perspective. I agree with that. I would say that one thing that I like to think about is how we know where to fish. So I totally agree with Justin that you have to do the work to understand those circumstances and things, but we still have to start somewhere. And there are some good data sources and insights from third parties that can help us start somewhere. So first of all, if you're not doing qualitative research and talking to buyers, stop everything else, don't spend a single penny, go out and talk to people, watch the sales process, interview win-loss, like seriously, you have that like job number one is to start there. Once we've done that, we've got to figure out who are the people that we're going to start getting in front of and learning about, right? So where are we going to invest our money to learn about those accounts? And there's some great content and resources available that there are intent providers like Tech Target and Aberdeen and others who have rich data if they happen to cover your category. There are things like review sites that are hugely valuable insights and send buying signals. And depending on your business, there's probably other things. If I sell office space, you know, looking for companies who have gotten recent loans or looking at companies who have a lot of job postings on their site or hiring, right? Those are indicators for me. So take the time to really understand what your individual indicators are, find the ones that you can through third parties, and then know manually massage the rest of the information and in, in, in other ways. And um, it's sort of that combination of all three of those things that's gonna get us pointed in the right direction. And I will just add that the biggest mistakes that I see companies make in their ABM efforts initially is they ask sales, who do you want to be on your ABM target account list? And that becomes your target account list. We've and done that. Yep. Right? Right? Yep. And it's not that sales is bad or uninformed. But they, they don't understand the whole universe. They only know what they know. They only interact. They don't see what's interacting with people they've never spoken to before. Ego sometimes plays in there. So it's collaborative with sales, but you really need to make sure that we take that step back and do the research first and then look for validation with the sales team and let them bring in their localized knowledge into the process. And I'll chime in on that as well, because I know Terminus 
here we have the advantage of being able to use those third-party platforms. So I know we use Bombora, we use G2 for intent and figuring out when people are showing those in-market signals. Um, I'm sure that there's other tools in our tech stack that I don't even know we have at our disposal. I'm not on the sales team, um, but I also know that it might not be realistic for you in your ABM journey to rely on those tools. So a little bit of manual research can also be a goldmine. I know that when I'm working with the sales team to develop those one-to-one campaigns, they'll send me a target account that they haven't been able to break into yet. And they'll say, you know, I don't really know a lot about this account. I haven't been able to get on the phone with them to figure out what their use case is. So in those situations, we've worked with them to be able to show that there's certain data sources that you don't really need to use a platform for to figure out. Job postings are one of those. A job posting for a target account can be an absolute goldmine of information. So if you're going, let's say Terminus was a target account and we're hiring you know, a salesperson or somebody on the ABM team, usually those job postings include a company summary, especially for sales and marketing roles, saying like your job is to help us target X, Y, and Z companies to provide A, B, and C services. And so if you haven't been able to get on the phone with a decision maker in that account, if you go to like LinkedIn to their job board and you see that they're trying to expand their sales team by 10 people to get in front of, you know, SaaS companies in the healthcare space, you'd be able to speak to that pain point that you might not necessarily know about yet because you haven't had that conversation and that, you know, it shows you did your research and it also it's free to do. It just, you know, it takes time. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what, one thing I would add to all of all of this is that I think we have been in the cycle of automation a lot. And I think what I'm hearing from all of you is that, hey, look, we need to kind of step out of that box a little bit and think a lot more. So almost like maybe spend, if you had like eight hours in a day, maybe instead of one hour's time that you're spending on thinking, you actually might want to spend three hours time thinking, which is hard for people to know I have a lot to do. No, no really spend time to think about without that you can't do some of the things that Justin you just talked about to get in front of that company or some of the ideas that Samantha you just shared you have to think about personalization that might mean but if I think once you start figuring out I think the engagement perspective you're going to figure out that it is not just one company where you have to be one-to-one for everything you actually can start scaling that to a certain degree uh, but you can't do that until you spend the amount of time you need to for that one company. So uh, I think that just comes out loud and clear. All right, Bailey, what else we got? The next question that we have, and again, feel free to chime in on this. If anything that we're talking about, you know, strikes your fancy is what are your advice? I know, Justin, you talked about this briefly in the beginning, but what advice do you have for personalizing at scale? So let's say you're getting towards those later stages of implementing ABM and you want to, you know, go beyond 5, 10, 50 accounts. How are you personalizing at scale without losing you know, that personalized effect? I think the it's there's an inverse relationship to scale and level of personalization. Like, you just can't get around it. And I think the the biggest scale, you know, the, the at scale thing you can do is just like on-page personalization or something like that. But that's like, everyone's seen that trick. That's not really going to make people impressed these days. So I think the answer is, you know, how, how quickly can you chunk up things into smaller segments? So like what we do here is, I mean, we will target by industry, and so we can start to, or persona, we, we do like a very like awesome persona based campaign where we're like, Hey, you event marketer, we understand you. We think that you're, you're kicking ass up and down and we know how hard your job is. Here's what we can do to help you be better at that. Right. And so while it doesn't have their first name or their company name around it, um, it does resonate a little bit better. So I'd say, you know, it, there's, there's stages of granularity at every point and 
depending on how big you want to go, I think you just need to get razor sharp in terms of exactly how you're attacking that chunk and making it relevant to that segment, whatever it is. You know, I think it's a really, I I totally agree that um, personalization and scale are by definition in conflict with each other. And the way that I tend to tackle it for organizations is by tiering accounts in intelligent ways. So prioritizing what we reach out and trying to personalize some communications and not all. So um, the people who are very well served, who can really personalize every communication, there really isn't any reason not to, are your BDRs, your SDRs, whatever you call that team that does that outbound calling. There's, you know, if they make you know, 62 calls in a day instead of 98, but they're actually, you know, relevant and engaging, I'd much rather have that. And they are in the position to do that work. And I also think that as marketers, we can personalize a lot more than we think we can, you know, right? So personalization to me is about picking an offer that's going to be relevant for someone. It's picking the, it's not just putting their name or their company or their, you know, it's it's matching the content to the person, the message to the person, the next step to the person. And so that means the way I do that is by not sending everybody in account all the same communications, right? I'll never be able to scale it. I'll never be able to personalize that because it's trying to go too broad. But if I can segment, as Justin's described, certain roles, certain backgrounds, certain companies and tier those intelligently, I can start to be programmatic about it. I don't like to use the word scale because I think it's in conflict, but I can make a program of it and I can be systematic about how I do it. That's awesome. And I think those are great answers. Um, The next question I want to ask is actually something that was posted in the Flip My Funnel LinkedIn community earlier this week. I thought it was a great question. Oh, yeah, that's a good plug. Let's just um, go ahead and give that plug. plug. Everyone's playing that. It's great. I've been really enjoying that, by the way, Sangram Bailey. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so we have this LinkedIn, uh, we have the Flip My Funnel on flipmyfunnel.org, and we were just not doing a good job of engaging, and people kept asking, like, how do we, how do we, how do we engage and talk about deeper conversations, deeper problems, deeper challenges that you just can't put it on LinkedIn and then, you know, you never know who is seeing it and stuff. So we created this Flip Math on a LinkedIn group. Now it's about, I think, close to 300 people. It's vetted. It's not every single, like, you know, we're not letting every vendor's conversation there. We're not putting ebooks there. We're not trying to put a link in the blog. No, no. These are conversations, and every week there's an expert of the week. So I know Justin and Samantha are going to be the experts in the coming weeks. But this is where you can really get into these conversations, the, the answers that we can do. So just go join and request for uh, for an invitation from that group. But go for it, Bill. But Thank my you. question <laughs> is, I really liked only because I'm a writer by heart. So I was I thought it was an amazing question. Is we've touched on uh, personalization, we've touched on templates, we've touched on email outreach. So mirroring all those together in your organizations or when you're consulting with people, Samantha, what is the relationship between marketing and sales when it comes to sort of providing that sales outreach? So I know at Terminus, it's a really hybrid effort. I'll provide templates to the sales team and I'll provide, you know, like blocks of text, or I would say like in this space, you know, you would talk about their pain point. And then I know that some of our SDRs will write their own emails. And if they prove to be effective, they'll share them with the rest of the team. I know that can kind of get a little bit hairy sometimes. So how are you guys managing that? Are you letting that, you know, content, is it entirely managed by your sales team without email engagement? Is it, you know, going back and forth? What does that look like for you guys? So for me, most of my clients, it's a mix. And, and of course, my own business as well. It's a, it's a mix of doing some things on our own, you know, from a marketing programmatic standpoint, sales team do it. I think the key to success here is training the team how to write. 
So we spend a lot of time as marketers wanting to approve things, being nervous about what they're going to say, being horrified and sharing all the bad things that we get in our own inboxes. I have like a board of shame. I'm sorry, I have one. I don't share it with anybody else, but it makes me smile. It makes me happy um, because I know when I've made a mistake, I like others do too, right? But we have to train them to be competent at what they do. And we have to be okay with they're sometimes going to screw it up. Because if we don't do that, if they have that fear, we get what we get, which is templates that sound like templates, and they take your block of text, and they find and replace the company name or the industry or, you know, generically put something in there that try, you know, with all good intent, but, but not knowing how to do it. So for me, I've been doing a lot more training of SDRs and BDRs of what it looks like. And the biggest thing that I tell people that is if you want to get someone's attention, it's not just what we send them, it's how we engage what they already post. Our buyers are social. They're in LinkedIn, they're in Twitter, they're in Facebook, they're in wherever all these other places, they're blogging, they're writing, they're being quoted in things. And um, we forget that you wanna get somebody's attention, comment on what they're already posting, even if it has nothing to do with it. Yes. Build a relationship first, then come back and you can ask for things or share things that might be tangential to what they're doing. And if we do nothing else but teach our inside salespeople to do that, I think we will be infinitely more successful. Preach. Totally. I love it. Retweet. Yeah, retweet that <laughs> one. <laughs> I think tactically the only, I, I thousand percent agree with, it's like this emoji for you, Samantha, on that. Um, we give... Yeah, like to that point, we want our salespeople to be humans. Like we don't want them to sound like robots. So exactly that. So we'll give them a framework saying, you know, kind of here's, here's the high level messaging for this campaign or whatever. Take it, make it yours, right? And so we trust them to do it and acknowledge that things are going to happen. But what we do is we find there's a, a positive feedback loop. When someone like it starts, you know, writing an email or kind of taking an angle on something that works, They'll share that with the rest of the team. And so they kind of like will share with each other naturally what's working for them. And I think that continues to evolve and, you know, they'll adapt themselves in a personal style. But we also, we have, we have, it's not a word of shame. We have a, a, our own little Slack channel um, that says cold emails. And that's where we kind of share like all the crappy cold emails we get just to be like, hey, this is exactly what we don't want to be like, guys. And it's kind of setting, it's setting the negative example too. That's fantastic. All right, can I summarize maybe two or three top points and then we will kind of finish because I know we're asked, I mean, this is so fun. This is why you got to join the Flip My Funnel LinkedIn community. So number one, if you're thinking about engagement, first define engagement in your organization and it might mean different. Don't go looking for top, what, what is engagement by, you know, Sixter or Terminus or anything. Just define engagement in your organization because it just might mean completely different based on the size of the organization and the product lines and all that stuff. So that was a great, great thing, Samantha, you shared. And then the idea that meaningful interaction is bi-directional, I think that's a big thing that I learned today, which is it's not just how much you post and how many, it's like, are they engaging with you? So once you define what meaningful means, think about it bi-directionally. The point that Justin, I think you made, which I love, is that personalization drives engagement. So if you're wondering, okay, I figured out what meaningful engagement means, how do I do it more often? What drives engagement? It is personalization. And I think both of you kept going to this point is like, hey, look, if you go too big, too soon, too fast, it's going to stop working. So don't try to scale it in like week one, right? You know, your week one, you're really just trying to create that one cadence with one sales rep and one or 10 accounts. And you're trying to figure that out. So week two, week three, just figure out what that mojo looks like for you and start building on top of it. 
But if you're going to create personalization, it just doesn't mean you have to do everything one-to-one, which by the way is great if you could, but it also means that you might be able to do one-to-four, one-to-five, one-to-ten, and you start scaling that. Uh, but don't try to just go big too quick because that's where you will see diminishing returns. So those were some of the big, uh, big takeaways for me. The only one I would add is that it can be really, really cheap to buy a super specific domain. Like, yeah, I, I found. Yeah, that whole our whole first campaign cost like like fifty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you could just go up with a domain that you can do like your company name loves X company name, it might cost you like twelve dollars to register it for a year. Yep. If you just set up a redirect, it takes like two seconds. That so that's a great. And marketers, we're gonna ruin it because now everybody's gonna go off and do it, <laughs> and they're gonna get millions of them, right? Yeah, who knows? Who knows where it goes from here? Um. So just to. Uh, other than that, please feel free to reach out to any of them, any of our speakers today, or me if you guys have any questions. We'd be more than happy to, you know, follow up on this conversation after the presentation ends. We appreciate you guys all taking the time out of your day to join us, um, and make sure you come back tomorrow and the day after for the rest of our series. So I hope you guys all have a wonderful day, Samantha and Justin. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much, guys. So much. Bye. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.